0: Thank you, worship team, for leading us so beautifully today. It was wonderful to hear your voices. I said the same thing in the first service too. Just to hear you singing it today is just really a lifting of my spirit and um, wonderful to be gathered uh, together with you, uh, with the family of God. So that's a a good thing. Uh, Just a couple little notes before we get into the word together. Uh, One is, if I look a little uncomfortable up here, it's because I'm a little uncomfortable. I threw my back out on Friday. It was a... a living reminder. We just preached about generational ministry and the span of the generations, and so I just gave myself a little reminder. I'm not as young as I used to be, and uh, I'm not moving a whole lot today. The good side of that is that the camera folks sometimes say, like, you guys run around that stage. It's hard to keep up with you. I'm just going to stand right here today, so it's going to be just right here. Uh, I actually am most uncomfortable standing up, a little less uh, uncomfortable when I sit, and I feel the best when I lie down. And I thought yesterday, I mean, y'all are flexible. Maybe I'll just lie down and (laughs) preach a message. And then I just was like, that's just weird for all of us. We're not going to do that. So... Uh, Another thing I want to note is that we're celebrating the work of God in the next generation. Thank you for Anna Raquel uh, sharing the testimony today. We welcome the the Life Team back, and there's really a lot of stories to tell. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue to have some of the the youth share some testimony. So you're going to hear more from them. But if you know some that you were specifically praying for uh, or supporting, reach out to them and ask them what God did. And uh, all of the stories that I've been hearing have been really encouraging Uh, God's story so just we're we're excited about that Uh, Pastor Chad mentioned about Alliance Sports Camp and especially in the area of of getting prayer warriors kind of Mobilized in that Uh, we want to encourage you to do that I also want to just note one other last thing before we get into the This new series that we're kicking off Um, It was the month of May I actually kind of brought a specific thing to your attention to say, hey, in our in our general giving, we wanna encourage you, we were running about 85%. We've been doing a lot of really wonderful, generous giving in a lot of areas, but that was an area that felt like maybe the greatest need at the time. Uh, And in the month of May and in the month of June, uh, you continue just to give very generously on that front. So I just wanted to make sure I got back up here and I said, hey, thank you for for being attentive in that, and let's continue to be a generous church. It's sort of amazing, actually, when you look and you see the work that God is doing through your giving. Um, And it is a way that you can say, I want to be in. I want to be a part of this. When you pray, when you give, uh, it's, it's a meaningful thing. And for me, I look around and I see some of the really incredible ministries, and sometimes the list is just too long to get through all of the things that God is doing. And I hope as you do that, you can see that, hey, that is a part of uh, a reflection of your generosity. So I just wanted to say thank you. Let's keep doing that. Let's keep uh, being in a generous church in all the ways that God calls us to do. So we're gonna start a new series today, and it is called Change Your World. Very simple, right? Uh, we're beginning this new series, and I actually had a lot of joy putting it together. Um, Aiden Wirtz, who's our outreach pastor, uh, did a lot of work on this as well, kind of laying out some of the direction that we're gonna go over the remainder of the summer. And so we're thinking about the, the reality. We know that our, our world is hurting, our world is broken in many ways. We know that there is a call on the church and on anyone who would be a Christ follower to be part of the redemptive presence Uh, of Christ in this world. And as we pair gospel demonstration and gospel declaration, and as the Holy Spirit empowers us uh, as the body of Christ, we're asking God to lift our level of expectation to greater things. God has more for us. He has more for his church. So as we we get into this series today, there's a couple of things we're asking for in this season. We're asking God that we might be able to gain a better understanding of the early church. So we're going to spend a lot of our time in the book of Acts. In fact, if you have your Bible, you can flip over to Acts chapter 1. That's where we're going to start today. And we're looking at the ways that God has chosen to expand his kingdom here on earth. And what does that even mean? We're going to look uh, and asking God that, that we would be supernaturally empowered to be the kind of witness that Christ would have us be. That we're not always just looking back to the glory stories of what God did you know, 100 years ago, but what, what does God want to do now? And what does God want to do in your life and in your family and in your sphere of influence? We're, we're asking God for points of decision. You know, There may be, even be people that say, hey, I've never made a commitment to Christ. I've never given my heart and my life to Him. We're asking that that would happen in this season, in your life or in the people around you that need Christ. And uh, as always, we're asking God, to help the church that we would be encouraged in our missional calling and that our expectations would be raised. So that's a phrase that the Lord sort of gave me in prayer. You got to raise your expectations because I find that like I pray too low. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not praying for a mighty move of God. I'm praying to sort of get through the next uh, trial or the next challenge or whatever. So I've just sensed the spirit of God saying, no, we got to raise our our expectation of the work that he Desires to do. So may God do all of that and more as He meets us in this new series. So today's message is entitled On Earth as It Is in Heaven. And I want to just, by God's grace, kind of set the stage for where we might go and maybe elevate our expectation a little bit for what God has for you and for me. So we're going to begin in Acts chapter 1. Uh, we're going to read the first 11 verses today. Uh, we'll start with a chunk, one through five, and, and then pause and teach on that a little bit, and we'll keep going. So if you have your Bibles, flip with me and, and read along uh, in Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 1 and following. It says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. Verse four, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, But in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. May God a blessing to the reading of his word. We're gonna pause there for a moment, as I said, keep your finger there in your Bible as we're gonna continue on in this passage. So so what comes to your mind when you hear the phrase, change your world, right, it it feels like kind of a, a big task and it strikes me that while this phrase is used fairly regularly, in advertising or in slogans or whatever, we would probably struggle to really understand what it means. that has been the topic of songs like the Beatles' Revolution. You say, "When want a revolution? You know, we all want to change the world. Some of you remember that, 1960s. I like the second verse of that song. It actually says, you say you've got a real solution. Well, you know, we'd all love to see the plan. It's not a bad comment. You ask me for a contribution. Well, we're all doing the best that we can. Yeah, people sing about it. They write about it. But very few people actually make an impact on their world. The reality is many of us living lives that we just sort of go through the motions one way or the other. I can think of a few people who have legitimately changed the world, one in particular. We're talking about him today. Here we see Jesus just before his ascension, and he's promising the power of the Spirit to the people who would be his ambassadors. He actually said crazy things like John 14, you're gonna do greater things than me. And representing him on mission to change their world. And, And we use this phrase, on earth as it is in heaven, as if to say that God would order things and correct things and heal things and move things in such a way that heaven would actually be expressed In this natural world, we pray this in the Lord's Prayer. To outline the message today, I want to just talk about sort of four words regarding this passage. I want to give it some context. That's our first word. I want to talk about calling that we might be able to embrace that. I want to talk about the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. Many of us would say we're a part of that if we're followers of Christ today. And then the last word is celebration. I want you to see the the celebration aspect of this as we set the stage. So the first word is the context. So read again with me as Luke writes this, and and you may know that Luke uh, wrote the gospel of Luke and Acts, which were basically talking about what happened in the early church. So he wrote these as two different letters or books together, which is why he starts out by saying, in my former book, Theophilus, and that was the person he's writing to, He said, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach, and after his suffering, how he presented himself to them. So let's give just a little bit of context to this, as I think it would be helpful. First of all, a little context about Luke. Well, you may not know about him, you may know he was a physician by trade, Uh, he became a disciple of Christ. What you may not know is that he was the only Gentile writer in the New Testament. That was just sort of interesting to me. The only one in the New Testament who wrote things from a Gentile perspective. He was also a layman. He was not sort of like a professional clergyman or whatever. He accompanied Paul on Paul's third missionary journey, but in many ways, he was kind of a regular person called by Christ. Now, that in and of itself gives a little bit of context and a little bit of encouragement to all of us who would say, I'm not a super Christian, yeah, I don't know, I'm not like, I'm not that guy, I can't do this, I'm not like this woman over here, I can't do that, or whatever. I'm just an, a normal person empowered by the Spirit of God. So for all of you normal folks out there, just take a note. Regular guy, called by Christ, empowered by the Spirit of God. Uh, I want to make a note about Theophilus as well. She would say, like, well, first of all, who is this guy, Theophilus? Um, Theophilus is Luke's friend, who does not know Christ and it also can be taken as a reference to any spiritual seeker in other words throughout history there's been a lot of people who would say I've been a theophilus I've been a person who's been investigating or trying to understand and so Luke is saying I'm actually writing this with the hope that the faith that I have would be able to be expressed in your life as well And we see this kind of missionary heart in in Paul's writing, we see this in a lot of different places in the New Testament, but here we have Theophilus, Luke's friend who does not know Christ. So I just note this, that here is God using an average sort of regular person empowered by the spirit of God to reach someone in his sphere of influence who doesn't yet know Christ. And if it's not too on the nose, I would say for all of us, there's an element of this that we could take away and say this is part of God's heart. This is what he calls us to as well. Uh, Just to give you a practical, a little bit older example, but a practical, some of you know the name Henry Hines, you don't have to drive too far to see his influence, although I understand he's not, he's no longer the the name of the Pittsburgh Stadium anymore, is that right? Pittsburgh fans, wow, well, influence is waning, so whatever. Um, Here's, uh, you know, a lot of people know about Henry Hines in terms of his financial accomplishments, uh, the the things that he did as an entrepreneur or as a business person. Um, What people don't know is that he actually developed a zeal later in his life to be a real missionary. I mean, he was a real sort of soul winner in his day. And the way that that came about was that he was at a revival meeting and the minister that was there actually called him out. And this is what he said to him. You are a Christian man, why aren't you up and at it? That was the phrase why aren't you up and at it? And so Henry Hines is sort of convicted, and he got ticked. He went home mad. He didn't like getting sort of called out for that, but he was sort of troubled in his spirit. And so he went to bed, and his testimony basically says that he couldn't sleep, and at four o'clock in the morning, he prayed that God would make him a power in his work. That was his prayer. All right, he's inviting the power of God to work through him, because this guy nagged him a little bit and said if you're a christian why are not you up and at it so it bugged him we woke up and the next meeting that he went to with bank presidents because these are the people he hung out to in his normal circles probably like you and me right He attends this meeting shortly afterwards and he turns to the man next to him and and he begins. all of a sudden this conversation begins to turn to spiritual matters and his friend looked at him in some level of amazement and he said this. He said, you know, I have wondered many times why you never spoke to me about this as if you really believed in Christ. That was his unbelieving friend's assessment of his faith. Of course, he was a little convicted by that. He ended up leading that man to the Lord. and The man committed his heart to the Lord, and that was one of 267 people that Hines ended up having spiritual influence on and in leading to the Lord. It wasn't 276,000, 267 individuals that he led to the Lord. Now, I do wonder what kind of influence the, the kingdom of God would experience if, if normal people, in whatever their spheres would be, would see a harvest of one or two or three or 267, whatever, that God would give you to make an impact on your world. Now, I, think, I want you to think about it this way. What a shame it would be if the God of the universe, who has made himself known in Christ, who has redeemed the world at the cross, who has saved the world at the empty tomb, who has changed the eternal destination of your existence. What a shame it would be if nobody knew that. And this was the conviction that, that a simple guy like Heinz came under and said, I think people should know what Christ means to me. So the question is, why aren't you up and at it? right? If that means you go home tonight and wrestle a little bit till four in the morning, till you decide I need to maybe say a prayer and ask the Lord for some help, that's okay. Why aren't we up and at it? So let me give you a little context with the passage. I gave you some context with the people that we've talked about so far. A little context of the passage. Luke is giving us the specific context for the message within the greater arc of scripture. So one of the things that we have preached on many times and we continue to bring up because it's so important is this uh, slide that we have here. We look at the gospel narrative involving creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And if you don't know those four words, jot them down because they really are helpful as you're reading this this book, this collection, 66 books of scripture and trying to understand where do we fall? We see that there's actually these phases of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. In the creation account, we see our creative God who delights in the goodness of his creation that he has made and he called it good. In the fall, we see the brokenness of sin and the shattering of God's shalom, as expressed in the created world. So I've, I've shared with you before this quote from Timothy Keller from The Reason for God. It's a really an excellent quote in terms of understanding the fall. He says, the devastating loss of shalom through sin is described in Genesis three. We're told that as soon as we determined to serve ourselves instead of God, as soon as we abandoned living for God and enjoying God as our highest good, the entire created world became broken. And this is what you see when you look at your headlines or maybe even scratch your head and say, how did do, how do our world get so messed up? It's actually right in line with the biblical narrative. Disease, genetic disorders, famine, natural disasters, aging, bad backs, <laughs> death itself are as much the result of sin as are oppression, war, crime, and violence. We've lost God's shalom physically, spiritually, socially, uh, psychologically, culturally, things fall apart. And in Romans eight, Paul says that the entire world is now in bondage to decay and subject to futility and will not be put right until we are put right. That's what we're talking about when we see this, this fall, this cataclysmic falling apart and even corruption of God's creation. But that's of course not the end. We see redemption expressed in scripture. We see this in the sacrificial system, which was the old covenant fulfilling the sacrifice fulfilled in the sacrifice of Christ, which was the initia- uh, initiation of the new covenant. I want to read you a definition of redemption. This is such a beautiful word. It is the act of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment. It is the clearing of a debt. And for those of us who would say, they're walking with Christ or have a a faith outlook on life, you would say, oh, well then that word makes sense in the context. Another definition of redemption is the act of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil, which is of course what Christ did for us at the cross. The last one in this phrase is restoration. It is fixing the broken, it's healing the hurting, it's liberating the captive, it's changing your world. It's every facet of ministry that you have ever ever participated in or ever even thought of fits here. In fact, it might encourage you a little bit to think this way, that in the arc of scripture that we just laid out in those four things, we're actually rounding third base on the four things. So much so that in the prophet Isaiah, as we've quoted many times here, was also quoted by Jesus when he began his earthly ministry. He said things like this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. This is Isaiah 61, goes on to say, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about the context. And so what we actually see here is here is Christ Having gone through the cross, having finished the work of the cross, he's risen again. Luke is saying he's shown himself and given many proofs for his being risen again. And now at this point, he is initiating something new. And this is the call and the second point that I wanna look at in this message. Uh, Read with me verses six and following. I've got on the screen verses seven and following. But verse six says, they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? which is a great old covenant kind of question. He responds with a great new covenant answer. He said, It is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of Of the earth. So here we see the call. Now I want you to think for just a moment about the the list that we just gave you a moment ago. The four things creation, fall, redemption, restoration. The final act of redemption was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. The first act of restoration was the raising of Jesus from the dead. So, that the call for Christ's disciples and everyone who would come after them is rooted in this final chapter of restoration. This is your ministry. This is where you are called to make a change in your world. Now, I want to talk for a moment because, you know, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. So, the idea that, like, the special people who wear the name pastor or missionary, they're gonna be on this level or whatever, is actually doesn't line up well with Scripture at all. What lines up well with Scripture is the idea that the ecclesia, the called out ones, are living on mission. They are receiving their call. Now, some of you are saying, I don't know how to change my world. I don't even know where to start with that. I realize that's a collective effort. I'm not gonna do it myself, but I don't know where to begin. So I want you to see just a couple things right out of this passage of Scripture. Notice that the call... Is always born out of prayer your calling is always born out of prayer the reason that it's difficult to understand your calling is perhaps because you haven't learned how to pray you haven't learned how to be still you haven't learned how to wait the disciples didn't know how to do this either which is why Jesus said don't go wait the first thing he said to them was don't go wait learn to wait and so what are they doing when the Holy Spirit comes upon them at Pentecost they're in a prayer meeting they're simply waiting on the Lord they're worshiping they're spending time with him they're seeking him they're learning how to pray and out of that prayer ministry is birth the ministry that will in fact change the world so your calling if you don't know what it is today is not to go home and say all right I gotta figure out how to change my world is I gotta figure out how to pray I gotta get quiet I gotta get still I've got to listen. These are not easy things to do in today's day and age, and it's not getting any easier. But the call is born first out of prayer. The call is fueled by the Holy Spirit. When you study the early church, you're actually not going to see people just saying, hey, we just gave our best effort, and and then God just did the rest. It's, It's all born out of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit working through normal people and making an impact on their world so the call and your call as well is going to be fueled by the Holy Spirit the call also we see here is it's local regional and global right so you're going to reach your Jerusalem and your Judea and your Samaria on all the way to the uttermost parts of the earth I love being part of a denomination that cares about sending missionaries and I love even the testimony today to hear someone saying I think God's calling me to go to the mission field that's that's what we are about We want to be ascending congregation because the call is local and regional as well as global. And then finally, the call is both individual and collective. Now, it would be ridiculous for us to interpret John 14 as Jesus saying, hey, you are going to do greater things than me. You are not. I am not going to do greater things than Christ. What he's saying is that collectively, you will actually become the body of Christ that will make an impact in the world, and this body here is going to be localized in State College, Pennsylvania, but then you you look around this body, and you're going to see different gifts that are being put into circulation in different ways, and collectively there is an impact that is greater than any one of us would ever be able to make on our own, and then when you begin to look congregation to congregation, and you see how God is stirring down the road, and across town, and across the state, and even across the nation, and around the world, and you begin to see the body of Christ doing some incredible things. So the call is both individual as well as collective. We are the ecclesia, and if you are in Christ today, you are part of his body. So let's talk about his body for a minute. Our third one is change your world. Let's talk about the church. Uh, Verse 9, back in Acts chapter 1, let's finish this little passage up. He says, it says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Verse 10, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I wanna just ask you as you, as you process that, passage, maybe many of us heard that ever since we were little, Jesus goes up into the sky and he's going to come back again and it's easy to sort of gloss over that or miss out on the significance of it but I want you to understand that it places us at a certain point in history and here we are at that point between the ascension of Christ and the second coming of Christ and everything you have ever learned about the church And every God story in every generation from the time of Christ until now and every story that will come from the generations that come should Christ tarry in his second coming will happen in that space of history. So I want you to be able to grasp this. This is our place in history. The master is away and he has left his talents in your hands to steward for kingdom advancement. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with that? Now, it might be very easy to become discouraged, especially when we look at the state of our world. You say, if we're supposed to be changing this thing, and it looks like it's getting worse all the time, and I can't watch the news without realizing just how broken, in the absence of Shalom, like, what are we really supposed to do about all of that? I was listening to Francis Chan, who I, I like him a lot. He was speaking at our general council. It's a gathering of all of our pastors and, and leaders, missionaries and folks. This was in 2016, and he was referencing that show, uh, The Deadliest Catch, which I've seen that a couple of times. Have you guys seen The Deadliest Catch? They go out and they, you know, they catch tuna and stuff like that. And, but the, it's terrible conditions. Like I, I remember when I was in college, my, my brother came to me and he was like, dude, I found a way for us to make a ton of money. And I'm really glad we decided not to do that because it was sort of like, yeah, I mean, we made a ton of money. I lost two hands, but, you know, besides that, it's all fine. No one got swept overseas. So it's, it's that show, you know, and, and, and here are these people working in incredibly difficult conditions where the sea is just untamable. And and the metaphor as you think about it sort of goes like this. You know, that is kind of what the world feels like when you when you look out as as a Christ follower and and some of you leaving today with a a sincere desire. You say, you know, I want to change my world, I wanna make an impact, but I, I see the waves and I see the wind and I see the storm and I don't really know what to do. You know, welcome to Christian leadership. I mean a lot of us have felt that way. And the encouragement was this maybe you're not going to be able to fix every storm. Maybe you're not going to be able to tame every tempest, but you can think about the boat that you're in. And that is a good word for the church. Because what it forces us then to do is to say this it may be that the greatest witness that we can make collectively is to be a people who actually do the things of Christ. And if that's what we aspire to, it's not a bad place for us to start, to actually love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, to actually love one another. Jesus said, like, this this is how the world's going to know that you're my disciples, by the way that you love one another. That was really specific and sometimes really hard. But it's what he's called us to. So this notion of radical obedience or or discipline that leads us to life or or Christ-likeness, even in the midst of and especially in the midst of our trials. The, The scriptural metaphor is this that it's a it's a bride making herself ready because the bridegroom is coming back. That's the role that we are called to play. You can love it, you can hate it, you can disagree or whatever, but scripture basically says this is who we are as the ecclesia, the people of God, the bride of Christ, making herself ready. And that's actually, takes us to our last word. The, the last thing I want you to see here, so this this whole notion of like, here's the disciples, and they're watching Jesus like, you know, holy ascension, he just, he's, he's going, he's taking off, And and the Angelic pronouncement is this He's going to come back And the way that you saw him go He's going to come back So he, he floated away He's coming back and, and that will mark the end Of the redemptive work of Christ in the world That's the, that's the, the one bookend And the, the other end Will be his coming back And his coming back will be a celebration Because he, he's coming for his church the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So now, what we can have the opportunity to do, and we said this in our last series, is we need to live now with the end in mind. So if Jesus is returning for his church, and if he will bring the final act of restoration, in Revelation, he actually says, behold, I'm making all things new. So he's, he's got the final work under control, even when we don't have it perfectly done here. And speaking of Revelation, let me just read one passage to you and we'll, we'll conclude. Revelation chapter 19, this is what it actually sounds like. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice. And be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. And then the angel said to me, Write this Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. When we talk about changing your world, you say, well, all right, I'll, I'll do something. <laughs> you know, I'll figure out what I'm supposed to do. Get your expectation higher and realize that we are being invited. Little us, our little congregation, little you, is being invited into something that is epic and is historic and is huge the wedding supper of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready and blessed are all those who are invited that's what we're talking about in terms of the proclamation of the gospel we're trying to help people see that there is an end coming and they need to be prepared for it that the finished work of jesus and the restoration that he does now here's the other thing i find very fascinating I find it very interesting that we started this whole message and some of you are like, oh man, what we, what's, what's God gonna ask me to do now? You know, another thing, how to think about this whole messy world or whatever. And where does he take the attention? Right back here. Right back here. To say, let's be a bride that's making herself ready. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite you just a simple, to a simple prayer worship team you guys can come on up and and lead us out here in just a moment but the prayer is pretty simple you know Jesus taught his disciples to pray and he said our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and there was more to the prayer than that but I think that gives us a little bit to focus in on today on earth as it is in heaven how might the spirit of God use you to make an impact in your sphere of influence maybe there's a person that comes to mind maybe a situation that comes to mind and you hear the spirit of God saying that's, that's part of your calling get yourself ready pray it up, listen wait for the power and the, and the opportunity that the Holy Spirit will give and then get out and get moving you know, So this is where, you know, it, God's got more for us. He's got more for us. He's got more for us. He's got more for you. It's not more busyness. It's more kingdom building. You understand the difference? If you find yourself today just saying, I'm, I'm so busy, I, I'm just so, fill. I'm doing 110% all the time, then, then you need to learn to wait, and you need to get still, and maybe even need to repent from saying I'm, I'm trying to do everything Because I, I guarantee you you're doing stuff On your own strength And the Holy Spirit saying I want to work through You I want to do something beautiful through you I want to encourage you just to stand as we As we make that prayer our own Go ahead And stand up and as you just receive that And as we agree together In prayer, our Father who art in heaven Hallowed be your name Your kingdom come Your will be done On earth as it is in heaven. God, we pray that you would change our world, that you would make a huge impact. But Lord, here, here's the thing we don't want to miss. And church, this is just so simple. As you pray and as you wait on Him, Lord, would you just start with me? Just start with me. Start with me, God. And you are going to be amazed how how coming sincerely to that place will become a platform for things that God wants to do through you and in you and around you, you had no idea. And and some of those things are going to be celebrated and known and many of those things are not going to be celebrated by human beings, you know, we're we're not going to celebrate it because it's not about our glory, it's about His glory. So you're going to find great joy in being the unknown person who made an impact on your world. On earth as it is in heaven. So we're going to make a little declaration in this song. We encourage you as you pray, allow the Holy Spirit of God to speak to you, and uh, let's make this statement: Christ be all around me. We need more of Him, less of us. That's a good invitation. So God, let it be in Jesus' name. Amen.